0: So it's been about eight months since my family and I arrived here in Arizona, and I can tell you that you know, there's some things you have to learn moving to Arizona, right? That when you plug a, a location on the other side of the valley in your GPS and it tells you it's 45 minutes, uh, that can change very, very quickly, right? Uh, the fact that uh, what to do when there's a rattlesnake on the hiking path in front of you, you gotta, you gotta know what to do in that situation, right? Um, or, or the fact that uh, you have to have a line item in your budget for car washes. <laughs> My goodness, with all this dust. Uh, and also, when you walk into those businesses and they have that cooler of water, bottled water sitting there, and they offer you one, they're not trying to sell you something. They actually want to give you some water, right? Right? I don't have to pay for it. It's free. Except for the Circle K. Okay, you got to pay for those. I, those aren't free in that cooler. But... We know the importance of water here in the desert, don't we? It doesn't matter how hot it is, (laughs) you have to keep yourself hydrated in the dry, arid climate we live in. You know your body is about 60% water, and if that percentage dips just a little bit, it has a huge effect on your body, doesn't it? It it causes you to feel sick and and dizzy and, and tired and weak. And it can turn to dangerous very, very quickly. You can live about three weeks without food. But you can only go about three days without water. Water, and the proper amount of it, is vital (laughs) to your health and well-being. And Jesus knew that too. Uh, Jesus in our gospel lesson is on a journey. He's going from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north. And where he stops here, it's in Sychar. It's probably about 64 miles from where they started out. Jesus, too, lived in an arid climate. uh, And so you can guess he's tired. And he sits down and, of course, he's thirsty. It's about noon. The sun is hot. And so where do you go for a drink of water in a town where, you know, you may not know a lot. There's no 7-11. There's no fries. There's no water and ice store. It, what is that? Water and ice store? Just a store just for water and ice? Anyway, <laughs> there's no store like that. And so where do you go? You go to the well. You ask around, where's the well in town? And you go there and you hope that someone's gonna be there who's gonna help you, who has the proper things to get water out of that well so you can have a drink. But again, Jesus' problem here is it's noon. (laughs) And people aren't at the well at noon because number one, it's too hot to be out doing that hard of work, and secondly, you needed that water six or seven hours ago at home to cook and clean and bathe in those things. It's too late by noon. But Jesus sits at that well. Because he's there because he's thirsty. But he knows someone's going to be coming along that's even more thirsty than him. Jesus is purposely here in Samaria and that sounds strange, but but as a Jew, you had to go into Samaria on purpose. <laughs> Samaria is kind of the the middle section of Israel in Jesus' time. So you had Judea on the south, Galilee in the north, and then Samaria in the middle. And and Jews despised Samaritans. They would rather travel all the way around Samaria than go through it and have to talk or even see any Samaritans. And that's because they saw them as half-breeds. The Samaritans were were half-Jewish, but also they had some pagan in them because About 700 years before, the Assyrian Empire came in and and defeated the northern kingdom of Israel, and they deported new people in, and the Jews who were there, and these foreigners mixed and mingled, and now you have these half-breeds. And and their worship was half-breed, too, in the eyes of the Jews. It was a little mix of Jewish religion, a little mix of pagan religion, and so you can understand why the purebreds of the Jewish faith would despise them want nothing to do with them actually hate them but here Jesus is in Samaria on purpose to meet this woman and here she comes as Jesus sits there who knows how long his disciples are off buying food and the woman shows up and Jesus says can I have a drink I'm thirsty I've been traveling a long way and and the woman is, first off, just taken aback. Number one, what are you doing here? <laughs> number two, you're a Jew, and I'm a, I'm a Samaritan, and you're talking to me. And number three, it wasn't the thing to do in public, a man to talk to a woman. But this is Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus has no time or place as the Son of God for any sort of cultural or you know, societal protocols <laughs> because this is the woman he's here to see. And Jesus starts to engage her in conversation. He kind of goes off from the fact that he needs a drink. Do you notice he never gets it? Doesn't seem to get a drink from her at all. He never gets that water he needs. But he goes on with this conversation with this woman. And he talks in. Just obscure enough language to pique her interest and, and to get her asking questions and to keep her engaged. He he talks about living water. And water that if you drink of it, you, you won't ever thirst again. And, and water that, that is inside of you and it wells up to a spring of eternal life. Most people who would have been there talking to him that day might have thought, this guy's nuts. What is this guy talking about? He's all over the place. Not this woman. She's interested. And you know why? Because she knows she's thirsty. Because she knows she's been missing something. She knows that she's been looking to quench her thirst in all the wrong places and hasn't found it yet. And so maybe, maybe, maybe this guy has something for me. And just when they're at that point, it, it seems like Jesus changes the topic, and he goes off in this other direction, and, and she asks for the water, give me this water, sir, I'm thirsty, right, I don't want to keep coming back here, I want this living water that you're talking about, and he says, go call your husband and tell him to come back with you. And she says, uh, sir, I, I, I don't have a husband, <laughs> and he says, you're right, you're, you're telling me the truth, you don't have a husband, but you've had five, haven't you? And you're with a man right now, and he's not your husband. Ouch. What she said was true, and and Jesus calls her on it. But Jesus doesn't say this to shame her. He doesn't say, say this and bring this out to just air her dirty laundry. But what he's really saying to her, friends, is, woman, I know you're thirsty. You're thirsty for love. And you're thirsty for acceptance. You're trying to quench this need to find worth and value in the eyes of another. And you know that so far in life, you have failed. Because you're trying to find it in relationships with men. And you're on number six right now, and it's not working out so well, is it? Woman, I know you're thirsty. And what you're doing is not working. That While you are trying to tap, you're not getting what your heart really, really needs. And the woman, in her response, doesn't protest. She doesn't try to tell... Jesus said, oh, no, I I haven't had five husbands, right? She doesn't come back with some sort of retort or or excuses or anything like that. Her response makes you aware that she knows. She knows that she's been trying to find this love and this acceptance and this value in in all the wrong places. And she realizes that this guy is no ordinary Jewish guy. He's some kind of prophet because he knows about my past and my current love life. And so it seems like the perfect guy to ask a religious question to. She asks, where's the right place to worship? Because we Samaritans here in Samaria say it's over here. This mountain right over there, Mount Gerizim, right? And you see that in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament Jews, they worship there too. But you, you Jews say it's supposed to be at the temple in Jerusalem. So, so where is it? So what's the point of this woman's question? What, what is she really getting at? What is... Where does this come from? She knows what she's been striving for, what she's been longing for is missing. She knows that 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 thirst and that desire for these love and acceptance, she has not found it. And she realizes yeah, I gotta fix this, I gotta get my life right i got to shape up. I mean, look at, what, look at my life. Look at, the, look at the havoc it's wreaked on my life. Right? I mean, all the pain and the sadness from all these broken relationships. Look at what it's done to, to her life as, with, with the other people in her town. She's coming to a well at noon because no one else is going to be there. So either one, everyone else has ostracized her, because of her lifestyle or she's just so ridden with guilt and regret that she doesn't even want to face anybody or it's probably a combination of both right she looks at yeah this has not gotten me anywhere so i gotta get my life right i gotta fix these things and so how do i make things right with god where do i worship how do i how do i make it right how do i find what i need And Jesus comes back, and he knows where she's coming from, and he knows what she's saying by asking this worship question. And he says, it's not about where you worship. It's not about how you worship. In fact, it's not about what you do at all. It's not about you getting your life right and shaping up and figuring it all out. He says, A time is coming and has now come when those who worship will worship in spirit and in truth. Capital S, Spirit and in truth. And she says, oh, Man, that sounds so good. <laughs> that sounds so good, but we just don't know enough about this yet. We, we, man, it, and I know. I know that Messiah is coming, right? Because, because those Samaritans, even though they had mixed their religions they, they held to those Old Testament scriptures, and they knew those prophecies, right? And this woman who had probably been disconnected from her relationship with God for so long, right? whose worship life was certainly probably not there, she says... Messiah is coming. I know that the Christ he's coming the one who God had promised and when he comes I'm sure he's going to explain all of these things to us I'm sure he's going to tell us where do we get this uh, this living water that we need He's going to tell us about you know how we worship God He's going to tell us about a relationship with God He's going to tell us about where we find those deepest desires of our hearts that love and that acceptance and that worth and that value that we need When he comes he'll explain it and jesus says to her I am Literally, in the original Greek, it says, I am the one speaking to you. I am that Messiah. And that changed absolutely everything for this woman. Jesus didn't say, go and make your life right. Go and fix all of this. Go and put that guy you're living without. Go and forgi- you know, ask for forgiveness for everybody that you've hurt. Don't go to this temple and and offer all these sacrifices. He says, that's not where you're going to find what you really need. I am he. I am the Messiah. And here I am to reveal and to give you living water. And that very day, that woman's soul and heart found what it had longed for. Love, acceptance, value, worth. Not in relationships with people. Not in the circumstances of her life. Not in her going and making things all right and good. But in the grace of Jesus. Who says, here I am to give you what no one or nothing else can. That woman's life in eternity was changed that day at that well. As she drank in that living water that only Jesus could give her. That's a great story, isn't it? It's a wonderful story. I mean, just think about the compassion of Jesus here for this woman that he goes out of his way, goes into Samaria, right? He's hot and tired. He puts aside his needs and he cares about her needs, right? The compassion of Jesus. What a wonderful story for her, right? Her life and her eternity has changed. This woman is different. But this isn't a great story just for her. Because it's for you too. And I don't know if you'd be willing to admit it or not but you do have the same needs as this woman. The same need to be loved and to be accepted and to have worth and value in the eyes of another. And so I guess the reflective question for you to ask yourself today is, what is the well that I've been going to to try to quench my thirst for those things. Is it like this woman, in your relationships, with your spouse, or with your children, or with your friends? I mean, where are you going to try to satisfy this need and this desire for love and acceptance and value and worth? Is it, is it in your career? And the success of it? Is it in your bank account? And how much is in it? Is it in your intelligence? Your superior intelligence over other people, that you are smarter than other people, and makes you feel good about yourself? Is it in your thought of moral superiority? That I look at the world around me and say, oh, I'm glad I'm not like them. Look how good I am. Is that where you find your worth and your value? How about in your religious life? Because I go to church faithfully. Because I give my offerings generously. Because I serve so selflessly. Is that where you think you find love and acceptance? By people? and By God? And friends, maybe you've tapped these wells. And maybe you've already come to realize, or maybe you haven't yet, that these things and these accomplishments and the people in your life and even yourself will never, ever, ever satisfy. They will never quench that thirst that we have innately in us for love and acceptance and worth and value. They just won't. Because what happens? What happens when you try to find your value and your worth in that relationship and your spouse says, I'm leaving? (coughs) Or that friend stabs you in the back and just doesn't care? Or your child says, I want nothing to do with you, get out of my life? Where do you find your worth and value then? Or your job. Right? When you think that promotion, that's what you need and that's what you deserve, and then it's given to somebody else. And that is where you found your worth and your value in the eyes of the world and the people around you. And even in yourself. If you put it in your bank account, what happens when that stock market crashes? And it will crash again. and all your savings and investments are depleted. Where's your worth and value found then? Or if it's in your intelligence and how smart you are and you you love to show it to other people and that's where you find your worth and your value and acceptance in the eyes of the world, but then people find out, (laughs) he's not really as smart as he thinks he is. Or your moral superiority that facade that you put on for other people to see, to look how good you are, and then they find out who the real you really is, the one you've been trying to hide from everybody. Or the religious part of your life. That's just a mask. That's basically like putting lipstick on a pig, not calling you pigs, but just trying to dress up what is evil and sinful inside of me. I mean, friends, if that's the places we're trying to find our love and acceptance and our worth and our value in the eyes of the world, in our eyes, in the eyes of God, they will all fail. They will all leave you feeling thirsty in the end. They cannot satisfy what your heart and your soul needs the most. But Jesus can. This one who speaks to this Samaritan woman is isn't just speaking to her, but through these scriptures, thousands of years later, they are spoken to you. To get rid of all these things. All these things that can be wonderful and good in our lives. (laughs) But all these things that will always leave you lacking, thirsting, and dehydrated. And to hear that Jesus can give you what no one or nothing else can. And why? Because he is the promised Messiah. Because he is the one that God had promised from eternity and through those Old Testament scriptures to send, to satisfy every desire of our heart, to be loved and accepted and to have worth and to have value. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, uh, 41. And just think about the connection to Christ. Isaiah writes by inspiration of the Spirit. He says, The poor and the needy, they search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. But I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. Friends, this is not just talking about literal water in a literal desert. This is talking about the coming of this Messiah into the barren wilderness of this world. That he would come to bring what our hearts need the most. What our souls thirst for the most. That he would come to bring water, living water, that quenches that thirst for love and acceptance and value and worth in the eyes of the one who matters the most. The God who loves us and created us and redeemed us and gives us himself. Jesus promises to you these springs of living water that when you drink from, you will not be thirsty. Unlike all these other things in life that we try to drink from and satisfy our desires and our and our thirst with, Jesus says that you will never be thirsty again. So what is this living water? What is this that that Jesus comes to offer to us? Don't picture just a little trickle of a stream. Picture a raging flood of blessings. That Jesus, the Messiah, came to bring to you in this living water. He comes to bring you that that flood of mercy. That that God does not treat us as we deserve. that, That God loved us from eternity. Loved us enough to come into flesh. And not just to be an example for us to follow. Not just to show us how to live and get right with God. But to be right With God for us, to come and stand in the place of sinners for us. Friends, that mercy that floods over us, that we find only in Jesus, that our hearts so desperately need. It's that flood and that living water of confidence. The confidence that that Savior didn't just come to live for us, but He also came to die for us. And on that cross, Right, as we're walking to that cross now and lent to Jesus, we're going to hear him on Good Friday in just a few weeks cry out, I thirst. And it's not just because he was physically thirsty, but it's because our Heavenly Father cut off that well of blessings from him at that cross. That at that cross, Jesus was suffering spiritual agony. He had been cut off from the blessings of the Father. The Father had to forsake his Son because he was covered in our sin and our shame and our guilts and our regrets. All of it laid on Jesus and the Father had to turn his face and say, Son, I have no part with you because you are covered in sin. Jesus thirsted for the love of the Father, for acceptance from the Father, for worth and value in the Father's eyes and on that cross, he became nothing to the Father so he could suffer for our sin and suffer hell in our place so that we would never have to. Friends, we have that confidence that that is done for us in Christ. He went thirsty for these blessings on that cross so that we would never have to. Friends, it's this flood of living water that comes to bring us forgiveness. Forgiveness for every single sin. For every time that we have tried to find, unsuccessfully, our worth and our value and our love and acceptance in the things of this life or in people in our life or in ourselves or anything else but God, all forgiven, all nailed to that cross. And to know that every day that forgiveness is new to you. Continue, Jesus says, go back to that well. Go back and receive that forgiveness that you desperately need. It's there for you. Jesus comes to give us the living water of joy. To know that it's not someday that Jesus will come and reveal himself to us, but right now, every day, Jesus comes to reveal himself to us in his word, in his sacrament, to strengthen us, to forgive us, to equip us. To bring what our thirsty hearts and souls need. That joy that Jesus has not left us alone, but he is with us. He's with us always to give us exactly what we need the most. And friends, that that well of living water, that that flood of, of blessings that God desires to give you through Jesus also includes hope. Hope that this barren wilderness is not it. That there is more to come for those who believe, for those who worship in spirit and in truth. What awaits for them is an eternal life that is welling up in us, as Jesus says. Welling up to an eternal life that waits for us, that is safe, that is secure, that is ours only through Jesus. And you know what it says in Revelation about our time in heaven? He says, That that lamb at the center of the throne, Jesus Christ, that lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, he will be their shepherd. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to lead you to springs of living water. That you will get to enjoy being in Jesus' presence with him as your shepherd, drinking of those living waters forever. Dear friends, these are the blessings your heart needs the most because it's here in these this flood of blessings in this living water that you find exactly what you need the most to know that you are loved by your heavenly father to know that you are accepted by him not because of anything you could do not because of anything you have ever done but only through the work of Jesus Christ That you have great worth and great value in his eyes, not because there's something so good about you, but because you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That as God took you and put you into the waters of your baptism, and he drowned your sinful flesh there and raised you to be something new, these blessings are all yours. And he desires that you continue to come back to this well. And to drink, to be satisfied, to receive that one thing that only God can give you, that nothing else or no one else in this life can. And it's not something you have to buy, it's not something you have to, to earn, it's not something that, that somehow you can work for. It's free. Jesus says to the woman, and he says to you, This is the gift of God, it's yours. It's a gift of his grace poured out abundantly on you through Christ Jesus. Friends, find true refreshment for your soul. Find the love and the acceptance and the worth and the value that that nothing else or no one else in this life can give you. And it's found in that living water. It's found in Jesus. It's found in your substitute and your Savior the one who has done all things for you. May God grant it to you.